about what is your spiritual gift, and I did. And today, I promised you that I'd speak on the motivational gift. And uh, today, I, I'll start right off the bat and, and let you know real quick, you have a gift, if you're saved, of salvation. Number two, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you know Jesus. Jesus gave you a heavenly gift, the Holy Spirit. The third gift, and I believe it, that we're going to deal with seven of them. Could there be others? Well, Romans 12, 6, 12, 6 and 8 mentions seven. And uh, if I can get through those throughout this morning and still uh, get you to where you kind of understand it, hopefully today you'll walk away with a third gift and uh, at least an understanding of it in your life. In 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, not even Corinthians, Romans 12, this orange and handcuffs still on my mind. I can't help it. <clears throat> Romans 12, 4 says, For as many we... As we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, every one members of another. Having gifts, then differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith, whether they be ministry, let us wait on our ministering. He that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with all diligence, and he that showeth mercy with all cheerfulness. Remember what I said last Sunday, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. The word ignorant, again, is not a bad word. It's a word that we need to be learned, and we need to have some enlightenment. I hope today after the sermon that you will be have a little bit of enlightenment, possibly, what your motivational gift is. Well, what is a motivational gift? A motivational gift, the word motivational refers to a dominant spiritual motivational gift. It's an inward drive and character that causes you to act emotionally and decisionally, and it will define you, it will, defi- it will drive you, it will describe you, and you will move into its action. It was Paul who said in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire body of Christ. Our gifts are for the promotion promotion of helping and bringing unity and maturity in the body, in the Lord, by building up God's church through an engagement with God's people. Now, understand this. You should have a bit of all seven, but one of them is going to be who you are. Can't get away from it. It's just you wake up with it and you go to bed with it. And so as we describe these things, I hope that you will come away with somewhat of a better understanding. Let's jump in now. And uh, the motivation going to get number one is mentioned in verse six, and it's called the gift of prophecy. You say, well, Mike, I'm not a prophet I, I, I can't predict the future. I don't write down divine uh, in, things of inspiration. I don't understand foretelling and foretelling, but maybe you do. You see, the key to prophecy or the key words is proclamation and boldness. Uh, the biblical example that I think that would be good to look at, and if you want to look further later on, is Peter. Peter was an individual that he saw things as they were, and he called it what it was. And uh, 
he was an individual. He was a prophet that had the ability, a disciple, to see what is wrong. And he was also willing to get outside the box. He was a, he was a person that was a leader, but he was a leader that really he didn't like a lot of people around. He liked small groups. I find myself sometimes when I want to just kind of go off and thought of a cabin way out in the back where they just only who I want there. <laughs> Some of you go, amen, that's who I am. Well, some of you like to drag the whole trailer park with you. You know, you go on vacation. Let's have a hundred go with us. That ain't no vacation to me. But I have the gift of being a prophet, a motivational gift. You see, your feelings are, if you're not careful, you'll have a, a demanding way of looking at things. You'll, the negative side is you'll be impatient, you're too serious, uh, you will hurt people's feelings if you're not careful because you like to call it for the way it is. It was Peter who got out of the boat. Notice none of the others got out of the boat. He had a vision, and he saw the vision, and it was Jesus, and he just jumped on out there. But then he began to, fu- f- uh, his faith began to waver, and the Bible says he began to sink. Well, if you want to see somebody that's sure enough backslidden, you look at somebody that has a gift of prophecy, and uh, they all of a sudden backslide. Woo, they look terrible. Peter, the Bible tells us, denied Jesus three times. It got so bad, he was cussing, and, 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 and here he was. He was just with Jesus, loving on him, and, 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 and Jesus was loving on him. Some say, well, Peter wasn't saved. Oh, yeah, he was. He's the only one that around the whole group that realized Jesus said, who does the man say that I am? And he said, I say you're the son of God. He was the only one God opened up and let him see that and reveal that. And Jesus said, look, Peter, you see something that only the father could reveal. Isn't that amazing? A prophet is a leader. He's a loner, but he's a visionary. And... Uh, so maybe we have some prophets in the house. Second of all is the gift of service. Who is that? That's the person who loves to serve. He's a doer or she's a doer. The word service means a lower rower. It's the ability to serve and demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. The person with the gift of ministry or service is able to detect personal discomfort in order to meet the needs of other people. The Greek word serving, diokoniah, me, that's about the best I can do with it from Tennessee. means to do service. They're doers. They have the gift of the service. And, and, and in their very nature, it's a spiritual gift. And it's as important as any of the gifts listed in all the Bible. Gift of service. Let me tell you something. We visionaries, we can't get anywhere without somebody has the gift of doing it. <laughs> you got to have the gift of service. And some of you have that inward gift. Well, who is the best biblical example? I would think it would be Martha. You see, old Martha, she was in the kitchen, and she's cooking, and she's cleaning, and getting the house ready, and she's all excited, and Jesus is coming to lunch, and Jesus gets there, and she walks in there, and there Mary is at the feet of Jesus. All of a sudden, the Bible says she, get, she got upset. That's in Georgia. In Tennessee, it's upsot. Why did she get so upset? Because she had the gift of service. And she thinks everybody ought to be serving right with her. She's a doer. 
You doers don't like to see other people just sit around. You like them to do with you. You like them to get involved. You like to get all that kind of service going on. And you see that. You see the key words to the person with the gift of service is helper and servant. Thirdly, we see the gift of a teacher. A gift of a teacher is one who loves research. They love to communicate truth. They're high on discipleship. They're high on teaching people precepts upon precepts. Some of you are getting bored listening to that. That's why you don't know much. One who seeks, a teacher is one who seeks opportunities to help others and, and, and understand and apply that biblical truth. Teachers are motivated to communicate information. They love to engage in research and detailed study. Teachers love word meanings and more in-depth study than the average Bible teacher. When I went to Bible college, the year I went in, we got a new, the school I went to got a new New Testament professor, Dr. Batson. Our Old Testament professor was Dr. Lee. And then we had an educational, he was a retired colonel, his name was Dr. Jones. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was the, my wife and I were the youngest people on campus when we went to Bible college. We were around 22, 23 years old. I went in one class, and, and one teacher said, you got to study hard, you got to listen, you got to take good notes and master the notes, and you'll pass the test. Flunked his first test, New Testament. Isn't that something called to preach and go to the Bible New Testament class and flunk it? Second teacher, boy, he threw out some word meanings, but we weeped and cried when he taught. I mean, when he left, you were inspired. The other dingling, <laughs> he would walk into class and throw out some wild statement and make everybody mad and think he's lost. And it would, he used what is called shock treatment to get you go to study for yourself and then bring it back. And if you didn't bring nothing back, he made you then feel like an idiot. I said, how can in a Bible college, have three distinctive type teachers like that, and they get paid to do it. But God blessed them, and God taught me a lot of things. You see, when it comes to teacher, I guess the best biblical example, I think, would be John or Jesus. Jesus was a rabbi, John 3, you'll see that. Mentioned when they talked about the new birth and when Nicodemus came, how do I inherit eternal life? Well, the fourth gift is exhortation. An exhorter is one who encourages others to the victorious life. Who in the world in the Bible does that? Well, if you'll read Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans, these are chapters, chapter 8, you will see that Paul is pointing all of the people. He was a man of the law, but now he's, he's been enlightened to the life of victory. And he said, it's not, the spiritual life is not founded in the law. It's found in grace. It's found in mercy. It's found in following the spiritual life and following Jesus who's in us and wanting, Jesus wanted to conform his image in us. And there's the, there's the victory. You see, Paul is an exhorter. He was an encourager. He liked to come along, people. And he, he liked to allow us to understand that there's more to going on in our lives. And, and, and it's found in victory in Jesus. 
Well, the fifth gift is the gift of serving. I mean, the gift of giving, excuse me. Verse 8. One who loves to give time, talent, means to benefit others, to advance the gospel. Giving, Greek word means to give over, to impart. It's to have a strong desire to meet the financial needs of your fellow Christians and church members to those in need. The great Samaritan in Luke 10. The Samaritan comes up and sees somebody beat up and left on the side of the road. It's kind of like I felt yesterday in, in those shackles. Nobody's showing up. Everybody's showing up, paid Jason not to get out of jail, to stay in jail. <laughs> Years gone back, I was the key one that brought all the money, and I felt kind of like the Lone Ranger yesterday. I think I said, maybe it's time to go to a better ground somewhere or something. <laughs> one person said, you're going to put your preacher in a box? We see, when it comes to this particular gift of giving, understand that all of us are to give. All of us are not exempt from tithing or giving above the offering to God's storehouse. That's commanded by God. But the gift, the gift, one who has the gift of giver, they're different. You see, they have an inward motivation to give, and if they hear of a need, they will do it, but they don't want it broadcasted. They don't want that told to everybody. They want that kept secret because they know that if they give, they'll be blessed by God. And they like to give, and, and, and they love to give, but they don't want you exploiting them. See, I had a deacon in a church that I served in Bethlehem First Baptist, and he came in one time, and he said, Preacher, I want to tell you something. Now, don't you go tell nobody. And I thought, then, boy, he done set me up. You know, the, you know, people come up and tell you, now, I'm going to tell you something. Now, don't you tell nobody. And they done told 80 other people. <laughs> and blame it on you because other people told it. You know them air conditioners over there in the fellowship hall? I said, yeah, I know. I bought them. Stuck your chest out. I bought them. Well, you know what? I said, I'm glad because when we go in there and have our fellowship suppers and all that, we kept cool. And he kept telling me about it over and over and over again. It's like, you don't have the gift of giving. You have the gift of gloating. You see, a giver won't do that. Uh, they're just that, that type of individual that, and, and, and what I've noticed about some people who have the gift of giving, they have the gift of the ability to make money. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If I were to have a seven-session lesson on the gift of giving, most of you would never come. But if I could have a gift of seven session and tell you that at the end of that seven session, you're going to know how to make money, and I'll guarantee you'll make a boatload of money. Uh, some of you show up to that. The gift, the one that has the gift to give, sometimes everything they do touches a touch turns of gold. Ever wonder why? Because God knows that if that person's in the right will of mind and, 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 and they have the right heart, that they will see to it that God's ministry and God's ministers and God's whatever, they'll, they'll see to it it gets done. They sure will. 
You can convince them that it's a good enough deal and that God's on it, in it, they'll give to it. Well, then, sixth of all is the gift of ruling in verse 8. Some of you women go, yep, that's mine. Some of you say, nope, that's my husband. He thinks he's the ruler of the universe. Well, see, this is talking about the gift of administration. Actually, it's talking about organization. (laughs) Some of you go, well, that ain't me. The Greek term actually means to to put or to stand before or to preside over. It's the administrator which has the concept to steer the vessel, negotiate around the rocks and the reefs. It's the ability to organize and to rule and to achieve for the common good of the organization. This person acts normally, calmly under pressure, clear thinking, uses good common sense, and practical in application. Some of the key words is lead and then organize. Every visionary needs an organizer. You got to have them. When you go into my wife's house, unless we've worked all week and she hadn't been able to be there, my house is sometimes so organized, she finds everything, I can't find nothing. Because all my stuff's been put up. You come in my office and you go, well, I'll tell you what this preacher don't have. He don't have organization. Oh, yeah. I know where everything's at. It might pile up, but I'll leave a word there that'll draw my conclusion where I put that thing. Now, why it's true, when I move from over there out there, I've done lost a bunch of stuff, and I'm, I'm struggling. You come in my office and you say, you ought to struggle more. I need some good organizers around. They help put my stuff up. Well, the gift of organization is so important. But then, seventhly, is the gift of mercy. Mercy means pity or compassion, one who shows love and care to those in need. It's one who feels empathy with the misfortune misfortune and misery of others. The biblical example, of course, is Acts 9, Barnabas, and Philippians 2, Epaphroditus. You know, a lot of this, you, a lot of this, you then got to the seventh thing. You said, Mike, I'm so doggone confused. I can't figure none of this out. Well, good, because I'm going to try to draw the conclusion. I'm going to pick seven people in this congregation. And you're going to determine who you are, one of the seven. We're all going to go to the hospital, not the jailhouse. That's too, we're going to the hospital. And we're going to visit somebody real sick. I want you to know that if you know what your motivational gift is, when you walk in that room, all of a sudden it begins to come to the forefront of who you are. It defines you. So you you servers, here's what you would say if you walked in the hospital room and somebody's in there sick. Number one, here's a little gift for you, maybe a card. Now, I brought your mail in. I fed your dog, I've watered your plants, and washed your dishes. You suddenly say, that's exactly what I would think. Then you have the gift of a servant. That's your motivational gift. Then some of you would say, number two, a teacher. 
Walk in that room, all of a sudden you say, you know what? I'm going to Google. I'm going to research your illness. I'm going to find out what's going on here and explain it to you. That is one who has the gift of a teacher. Then there are those that would walk in and you just begin to cry with them. Oh, bless God, I know you don't feel good. You don't look well. You, you just, I, I, I hurt for you. Don't tell them they don't look good. They already know that. How do you feel now? You're all about to feel it. Well, you're the one who has the gift of mercy. But if you're a giver, you go in and say, you know what? This must cost a fortune in this hospital. Do you have insurance? And if you don't have insurance, can I be of some assistance? Maybe we'll just start a fund and help you get you paid for here and get all this taken care of. Don't worry about it. You're a giver. But if you're a ruler, administrator, organizer, you, you go in and say, don't worry about a thing. I've already called your office. I've gotten four other people to take care of what you're responsible for. You just get better. If you've got that going on, then you have the gift of organization. If you're an exhorter, you go in and say, now, let's say here, what could we possibly learn here that will help others in the future from your sickness? And then if you have the gift of a prophet, bless your pee-picking heart, and I'll pray for you. What did you possibly do in sin that got you in this condition? (laughs) By the way, that don't ever win friends influence people. I'll give you one other and hush. You come into my house, seven of you come into my house, and we're going to have a dessert party. And my wife's going to put it on, but we're going to frustrate things because we're going to let, not frustrate things, we're going to complicate things. We're going to let our four grandkids come eat with us. And one of my grandchildren gets up, and y'all getting your plate, and it's all nice china, and you got this nice piece of pie, and all of a sudden, one of the grandkids drop it on the floor, and it shatters. Pie goes everywhere. Your, motiva- your motivational gift's going to come to the surface. Here it is. What is it? Well, if you were a server, you would say, I tell you what. You would jump on that thing. You'd begin to clean that thing up. You would do whatever you had to do and, and, and start getting things done. You'd just start doing. It just, um, you'd just a um, mad. You wouldn't even think about it. You'd just begin to do things. That's the gift of a server. But if you were a teacher, you would say, you know what? I believe if we next time, if, if what we really need to do, and then all of a sudden you'd begin to teach us through this thing, and explain to us just what happened. That's the gift of a teacher. But if you had a gift of mercy, you go, bless your little heart, honey. I'm telling you, I'm so sorry this has happened. And I tell you what, don't you, here. And you just go feelings like crazy. You would be the one of the gift of mercy. But if you were a giver, you would say, I tell you what, honey, I'll just give you my pie. You go sit down, and I'll go get me another. Make sense? Well, sure it does. You would have the gift to give it. But what happens if you have the gift of administration? You would say, I tell you what, you get a broom, and you get a mop, and I tell you what, you go and get her another, and you would just organize the fire out of it and, and straighten it up. But if you were an exhorter, you would say, 
Now, how might we in the future learn from this that we never did this again? But if you were a prophet, you would say, I tried to tell you you shouldn't have done that. Why in the world did you drop that? <laughs> Some of you are going to ask me. Guess what I learned a long time ago? Opposites in marriage attract. I'm a prophet. Guess what my wife is? She has a gift of mercy. We are on opposite sides, but she balances me when I get too tough. And when she's too soft, I'm saying, you're too soft. You need to toughen up. And so what do we do? We we can compliment one another. Now, if you've listened well, I've got my all seven of the whole crowd. You've established your gift of motivation. Now, let me tell you real quick. If you're in here and you're not saved, you'll never know what you are. If you're like old Peter, remember what I said? He was a prophet. As the gift of a prophet, they, boy, when they backslide, they look like they have lost Jesus. But understand this. That's what repentance is all about. We can come back and God will forgive us, cleanse us. If we're here today and we, we don't know that we're saved, then, then it's, it's futile. For, it's, it's ridiculous for you to even go beyond the first gift, and that's the gift of salvation. Because you don't have the second gift, which is the Holy Spirit, which then you can't discover any of the other gifts because they're only given to those that are His to be used to bring unity and glory and honor to the body. So what it is it what is it with you? You saved? If you're not saved and Jesus is revealing your need for salvation, then you need to come forward and let us show you how to be saved. If you're born again and all of a sudden your life is denying the fact that you know Jesus like Peter, then what do you need to do? You need to do like what Peter Jesus said, Peter, you need to repent. And you're going to repent. But if you're here today and you're still struggling what your spiritual gift is, my goodness, this is the best, best place for the Lord to begin to reveal those things to you because ultimately he's expecting you to take that spiritual gift and serve him with it, with every head bowed.